You're listening to the Sill Podcast Perspectives on Art and Technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 40 The Caged Mouth. Do we really have free speech? He's choking on Huckley Valley coffee. <laughs> oh, that was a sweet choke. Only the best. You You're... ever had a sweet choke? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Said the bishop to the queen. Yeah, so that's <laughs> it, for, that's it for Huckley Valley coffee. We're on to business. <laughs> All right, what do you want to talk about? The caged mouth. Yeah, the caged mouth is the title of this episode, and it's about, in a way, how constrained we are to speak our truth in whatever form it takes. Socially, personally. Politically. Politically. And it seems to me that we are living in one of the most constrained societies when it comes to free speech. On the surface, it's like we're a free society, blah, 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 blah. But in actual fact, my guess would be 90% of the time we're not telling the whole truth. Mm-hmm or we're not telling anything of the truth of how we feel and how we see the world. Where do you think we're more apt to tell the truth, in a personal confrontation or a public one? Actually, a public one, I have to say, because what happens is you go online, you can be anonymous, upload to some sites, blogs, and you can speak very harsh truths because you're more free from repercussions than if you're face-to-face with somebody you love. Okay, so let me rephrase that. Public forum in person or personal discussion on a one-on-one in a relationship? Well, the personal is more fraught with danger because it's your direct personal life that is being affected by the outcome of the conversation and the words you use. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, which is why spouses often walk on eggshells with each other around certain topics, whether it's children or finances that sort of thing. And so the dialogue is very different personally than publicly, I think, for the most part. But the end result is the same. It's a fear of repercussion. Yeah, yeah. It could be fear of not being liked anymore or loved anymore. It could Mm -hmm. be fear of being found out as being an arsehole. It could be fear of losing one's position in the community a divorce or or what have you. So there are lots of repercussions that people use or excuses in a way that people use to not speak out. And so it is mostly self-imposed. Okay, so that was going to be my next question. How yeah. from either a legal standpoint, a socially accepted standpoint or a purely personal choice based on an intimate relationship whereby you pay a different kind of at least perceived price yeah. well, than what, you would in, say, a public forum 
on a stage, voicing your opinion to a group of people or an audience? Well, we're beyond the days of being stoned in public for speaking uh-huh. out or being called a witch and being burned at the stake. But there are other more insidious ways of taking a person down mm-hmm. than the direct ways. Public ridicule. Public ridicule, slander, innuendo. Accuse somebody of doing something like sexual assault or sexual harassment, and whether they have actually done it or not, that's enough to take a person down too. We're very quick to want to stop people that we don't like from speaking in public. So there have been protests at universities whenever someone has come to campus to speak Mm -hmm. and they're perceived as anti-Muslim or anti-this or that, uh, not PC, you know, right. uh, there's protests and they've been often been turned away, and not allowed to speak. Which I don't think is right. Yeah, I think this is just as bad as burning exactly. books. Yeah. So you not feel intelligent enough to listen to that person? Decipher for yourself? Yeah. And ask, respond ask, or ask hard questions? questions that yeah. makes, brings them to reality, mm-hmm. etc. Point out the loopholes in their arguments and all Well, that. you're also showing them that you're interested enough in what they're saying that you're willing to debate or discuss it. Right. You're saying... I recognize my opinion isn't the only opinion in the world, Mm -hmm. but I'm willing to defend it logically Mm -hmm. and passionately in public. We could apply the same rationale to personal relationships. Well, yeah. (laughs) That's a whole other ballgame, right, isn't it? But it's the same Uh, idea. Well, you're getting into gender now, right? Gender differences in communication. I think there are gender differences in communication. Yeah, sure. I think there are. And a lot of people kind of have pointed this out. I think men tend to be less open with their feelings when Mm -hmm. they communicate. Yes. Even with each other than women. I think men are less inclined to initiate a serious conversation about something happening in the relationship. Women tend to be the initiators, you know, i.e., we've got to talk. Do you think we, <laughs> the dreaded we've got to talk? <laughs> <laughs> we meaning you listen. Yeah, we meaning I've got a problem with you. Yeah. And so a lot of those discussions in personal relationships have an accusatory nature right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And it makes it very hard because both sides start to get defensive and that ramps up and there's an impasse. What's your experience of those situations you've had where there's an impasse, let's say? How is it resolved ultimately? Well, I tend to get turned off to any kind of heavy hitting. So when I feel myself getting to a point in a discussion where it becomes a tit-for-tat situation, I quickly lose interest in continuing the conversation. Obviously, I am in part responsible for the way the the discussion is manifesting. But I, I find that I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to be part of this endless loop back and forth, you did this and I did that. I feel like saying, why can't we just both acknowledge that we both have part in this and let's go from there? Yeah. And let's begin a dialogue. Mia culpa, you do your mia culpa, I do my mia culpa, and let's get on with the discussion. Yeah, this is my part in it, this is your part in it. Right, and then of course, uh, if that doesn't happen, and I remove, I choose to remove myself from a situation, that can also be looked upon as when things get uh, a little hot, you walk away. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying one is more right than the other, but I just think my experience has been, and I don't know if this is for every relationship, men and women just approach discussions and arguments differently. How so? How do women approach arguments? 
in your well i'm going to get lots of pies in the face for this but uh <laughs> and i'm definitely going to check this because i'm speaking in very broad terms here the number of pies that are lined up at the oh, door are increasing every yeah. second here yeah. peter yeah. <laughs> so carry I know, on <laughs> i think like again i'm not discussing whether or not there's a right to feel that way or not i'm not discussing a feeling i'm discussing a manifestation right so two parties can be equally upset it always seems that the woman is more upset or has more to be upset about than the men. And it's not always necessarily the case, but that's the way it shows on the surface. Yeah, I see. Yes, I get it. Yeah. Right. Another thing that I find me particular, and again, I don't know if this is every guy. If I'm in an argument with anyone or a disagreement, debate, whatever you want to call it, male or female, spouse, friend, whatever, you can at any point in that discussion, no matter how heated it gets, if you just stop and look at me and say, Pete, come on, I would immediately say, okay, I'm willing to let whatever's gone before. Right. I'm opening right. a new door. Now, I don't know if it's a personality trait I have or whether it manifests in some women as well. I just find that things get to a point where no amount of elevation is going to make any difference in terms of improving the situation. No, I mean, you can get to a deadlocked place, Yes, and there's no way out of it. But now this thing you talked about with guys, you can see that in sports especially. You watch a boxing match, and these guys are beating the crap out of each other for 12, 15 rounds. The bell rings at the end, and they embrace like they're long-lost brothers. Yeah, you know? yeah I know. Or they go maybe go for beer after, you know what I mean? Right. Guys are able to do that. I don't think women do quite as easily, <laughs> is yeah. kind of forget what just happened and right. just carry on. Women tend to, I'm generalizing here, and there's going to yeah, be pies for me, too. Oh, there's going to be pies uh, women, all over the women place. Women tend to remember yeah. these things. From 10 years ago, and you go, what, what, really? That happened? I, this is not, I let it go. Like, it's gone. Mm -hmm. Why are you still carrying that around? Mm -hmm. And it's you unfortunate know? that we don't have women here right now speaking on this, because I would genuinely love to have that discourse. We'll maybe get a Vox Box uh, excerpt for that. Yeah. Vox Box. So, what's your story? about why men and women have trouble communicating. We don't think alike. You know, our basic thought patterns are totally different. Men are very linear in their thinking. Point A goes to point B. Point A, point B. A, B. A, B. <laughs> women, we go A, Z, P, D, Q, F, G. See the connection? Do you see the connection? Do you get it? Do you see it? Ha, 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 It's no fun to argue with a man. Oh, you argue with a man and the first thing he'll do is insist on sticking to a subject. <laughs> well, put me to sleep and wake me when it's over. <laughs> Women, we're exciting to fight with because it takes us years to prepare. <laughs> first, we need to find out all we can about their past relationship. <laughs> She never wore a bra. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> then we tuck that little tidbit away in the back part of our brain and promise him we'd never use it against him. Oh, honey, it's okay. You can tell me. <laughs> then at just the right moment, months later, when you're arguing about something 
totally different. <laughs> and it doesn't look like you're gonna win. <laughs> Need to reach back there, grab it, and use it. Well, just because I'm no brawless slut like that last woman you went out with. around for three days going, what'd I say? Where'd that come from? Wait a minute, wait a minute. A, B, A, B, A, B. Fox, Fox. Well, look, it's communication styles. Yes. Uh, it's about how we were raised as kids in our families. Mm. If you were slapped by dad, yes. whenever you said something kind of off color or the wrong thing, that goes into a person and then when you're into an argument with your spouse or your partner 30 years later, that feeling is still there deep inside you. Mm -hmm. And maybe you feel you can't say the truth because you'll get slapped in a different way psychologically. Excellent point. It's there in us. So our upbringing, our childhoods, powerful uh, shapers of how we communicate as adults. Mm -hmm. There's that to overcome if you want to free yourself up mm -hmm. to speak the truth no matter what the consequences. So really a lot of things dealing with the freedom of speech, whether it's in the context of a political, social, or personal situation, really comes down to feeling safe enough to express oneself. Well, there's that side of it, yes. But now, talking from the artistic side of things, okay. if you're an artist, it's not safety you're after. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You want to put yourself in a place where there's some risk, some uncertainty in creating a piece of art to go into the world and speaking the truth ah, in that okay. work of art, whether it's a novel or a sculpture or a mm -hmm. film or what mm -hmm. have you. Mm -hmm. Like a Lady Chatterley's Lover kind of thing. Well, yeah, exactly. There have been many instances of works of art that have been... Banned. Banned. The artist persecuted and that sort of thing. So it's not safety that the artist is after. It's risk. It's going into new territory. Mm -hmm. It's uncertainty. And sometimes the artist will be brutally honest in their work. And often they'll get a lot of negative feedback for being too brutally honest. Unless they sublimate it in a story like Animal Farm mm -hmm. or something, an allegory that is pointing at the truth in society in that way. Yeah, and for those that aren't familiar with that one, that's a good one. Elaborate a little bit. Well, George Orwell's Animal mm -hmm. Farm, where mm -hmm. all the characters are animals on the farm. Mm -hmm. And there's the overlord, in a way, who is the farmer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the, the pig. I think the pig's the smart one. And they kind of organize this kind of revolution, this revolt as I recall. Yep. So it's really kind of an echo of society, kind of communist in a way, communism, the rise of socialism, mm -hmm. uh, the, the masses rising up against the people in power. So in a sense, he was using animals to expand his free speech. He was exploiting animals. He should have been banned. <laughs> but even himself as an artist yeah. found an avenue by sure. which he could communicate views, thoughts, values... Listen, Without using people directly to make yeah. the point. Listen, all you have to do is get a sock and put it on your hand yeah. and hold it in front of you and start talking dirty mm -hmm. and bullshitty and serious and, and, and right. brutally honest. Yeah. And people will think the sock is the one who's yeah, talking exactly. and not you. Right. you know? And that's what the artist does. The yes. artist puts a sock on and the sock or a mask. Mm -hmm. And through the mask, they can be anything they want from an angel to a devil. And that's perfect because how many times have you been sitting watching a comic and especially male or female comic, where yeah. they're talking about relationships. 
And you're sitting there with your partner or your wife or whoever that you're intimately involved with. And you're both laughing hysterically at the very things that you argued about. Right, right. It's like because you're not doing it to each other, it's a third party. He's saying exactly the same things that have occurred, could have occurred half an hour before you watch the show where you're ready to kind of pounce a little bit on each other or gets a little bit elevated. And here you are with the comic. You're laughing. Yeah. I think you told me the other day we talked about... uh uh, the portrayal of Donald Trump mm-hmm. by Saturday Night by Live. Alec Baldwin on Saturday Night Live and how he can get away with that because people see that he is playing a character who happens to be the president right. and having fun with it. And it's a context they've created where that's okay. And even Donald Trump himself, what's he going to attack? Well, I think he did. He's tweeted well, a few I know times. He's, <laughs> he's, he's tweeted, but there's not this kind of heavy send agents and the FBI, and you would only give him more ammunition uh, if you attacked his comedy. Right. Now there's the opposite of free speech, and that is, is it the Fourth Amendment? No, the Fifth. Fifth Amendment. The Fifth, pardon me. Pleading the Fifth. So there's an instance where your freedom is to not speak and not to have repercussions for not speaking. You're giving up your freedom of speech. Yeah, And that can have repercussions on its own. If you Mm -hmm. don't speak, people will think, what are you hiding? Exactly. Right? So you're kind of screwed either way, it seems to me. Well, it's the same thing that you would get even in a personal relationship when you're having a discussion or a difference of opinion. Silence or deciding not to engage. It's often like a state of war anyways. It's a war of silence that happens sometimes where both parties say, okay, Sometimes I like to remove myself from the heat of a situation because I want to look into myself as well. I know that I'm part of it. And now here's the other thing about communication and speech is that we have agreements as to what words mean Mm -hmm. in general. Yes. What happens in arguments and in difficult confrontations is one person has this idea of what that means and the other person has a different idea of what that word means, whatever that word is. And it's inevitable conflict because you can't agree that this actually means the same thing. Interesting that you just said that because just today, earlier today, I was having a discussion and I mentioned the word noise. Hmm. Now, noise has an obvious audible definition, right? right? Noise, yeah. like cacophony, banging, you know, yes. sizzling sound, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when I use the word noise, I also use it as extraneous. So, for example, if I'm watching TV and there are 300 channels to choose from, I also consider that a level of noise. Mm-hmm. There's way too much stuff. Okay. So, agreeing on concepts, what Mm -hmm. what do these words actually mean? And in many cases, it's so nebulous now that there's no way to agree on anything because people have their own definition of what a word means. Because often the accusation underlying the whole thing with spouses is, you're not hearing me. You don't listen to me. You're not hearing me. Exactly. Right? And for the guy, if the guy is accused, the guy is going, um... I was listening to you, but I didn't sort of keep all of it in me because I've got other things going on in my life and I don't keep everything in me. So that's why I didn't remember that. And it wasn't important for me to remember that. But for the spouse, it's very important to remember that because it means you're you're thinking of them if you remember that. So what's your feeling in general in your day-to-day world of existence? Do you feel encumbered? I do. At work, I'm encumbered. 
And I recognize that, and I have to play by those rules, or I probably wouldn't work there. Mm -hmm. Same in relationship. There are rules in the relationship, unspoken and some spoken, where you don't go to certain places in communication. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only place I'm free, really, is in my writing. Don't you find Uh, this a great outlet? This here? The podcast? Yeah. Yes, sure. It's a very good outlet, too. Although even here, I catch myself couching certain ideas in certain words, trying not to offend Mm -hmm. somehow or come across as misogynist or or sexist or or anti-Islamic or anti-anything. You want to be seen and recognized as a decent person. And if you're authentic, I think this holds for everyone. If everyone were authentic, nobody would be seen as an angel. We'd all have dirty smudges here and there on our wings. And we would all be a lot less judgmental. And it would be a more passionate, more interesting, more fun kind of life to live. Yes. The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Thank you.